Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson, and I have Kurt Mortensen here with me as usual. We're happy to have everybody on the show here listening once again. A couple of housekeeping items before we get to it. Follow us on Twitter at InfluenceMax. Like us on Facebook at Maximize Your Influence. You can send us your feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, awesome ribs recipes, trash talk, whatever you're feeling in the mood for to MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com, and we will occasionally read it and feature it on the podcast. What we really love is if you have a particular persuasion challenge that you've been dealing with, maybe it's an objection, maybe it's something that's happening in your business, Kurt and I will just spitball it live on the air and talk it through and see what what assistance we can be to you, because we we love hearing about the real-life stuff that you're in the trenches dealing with every day. So please go ahead and send that stuff into MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. And also, everybody, check out the site, MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's where we have the blog. You can check out the articles. You can check out lots of great stuff. So there we go, Kurt. Out of the way with the housekeeping stuff. Out of the way. All right, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the good stuff. And actually, today we have a guest. Today we're going to interview Donald Kelly. He's going to talk to us a lot about getting referrals, which, hey, those are a lot better than cold calls. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Give me a referral any day. Yeah, yeah. You just... With a referral, you're starting off at the 50-yard line. After the mm. battle's already done, the credibility's achieved, the trust is achieved, so it's a much better position to be in. Exactly, and most of your business should be based on referrals, and there's a certain way to do that. And sure, you could cold call, sure, you could go out there and hit knock on doors or whatever you need to do, but that referral is so refreshing, and people are more than willing to do it when you do it the right way. Exactly, exactly right. So why don't we cut now to our interview with Donald Kelly. Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome to the show today the famous sales evangelist, Donald Kelly. Just a little bit about Donald. He grew up in Jamaica. His dad was an entrepreneur. His mom was always hustling to create a better life. And this is where he fell in love with the art of selling. It's in his blood because I think a lot of us can relate to selling the cookies, the candies. Well, he did mangoes. I never did mangoes. (laughs) But hey, whatever it takes to sell. And it got into his blood. And it sounds like you got into sales. And I think a lot of people run into what you did didn't happen. Other people were doing it. Other people make it happen. You weren't. And that's when you took a deep dive. And hey, what makes someone great in the world of sales and influence? What is the difference between mediocre and success? And he's been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine, Yahoo, and South Florida Business Journal, where he lives. Donald, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate being here, Kurt. Great. It's good to have you. And of course, to the listeners, we're going to focus on the sales aspect today, some referrals, get some great information. Donald's out in the trenches making it happen, so it's always good to get some different insights and thoughts. And But as you know, we have to start off with the question. Are you ready for this, Donald? Shoot, born for this one. All right. <laughs> what is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? Okra. And I'll tell you exactly why. <laughs> I... <laughs> that was fast. Okra. Okra, man. In Jamaica, it's like my cousins and family members they used to cook okra. And I know sometimes you can do some fried stuff with okra, but they just like kind of steamed it or boil it. And it just it was a slimy thing. And it just had this gross taste to me, like this bitter taste. I'm like, why in the world would you do this, people? Why would you eat this stuff? Don't. Leave it for the birds or something. 
And uh, whenever we had like family dinners and at okra, mine was always somewhere else, given to someone else or just thrown away. Or I, I just wouldn't eat it. Maybe I tried. I mean, I'm not sure if I even tried to sell it to someone else. I don't think I even thought there was much value in it to sell it. <laughs> well, that's how you know if you're a good salesman, right? If you can sell okra, that's where it's at. But you've just offended all our southern friends out there. But that's okay. Okra's on, always on the top 10 list. It's one of those that are out there. So you grew up in Jamaica. Where's your accent? Did it disappear? You can chat like a yard man sometime in Oman. Let's do an accent here. There it is. It comes back. <laughs> Turn it off and on. That's good. Well, one of the things we like to feature on the show also is blunders, right? Everyone makes mistakes, blunders, and just a question as we get started. And we always feature Homer Simpson on this part. Don't, don't, don't. What is the biggest sales blunder, influence blunder that you've made or that you see people making right now? And how would you fix it? You know, there's a couple, and the one that I was shared that I made was I went to went through this whole process with this large medical firm. This is when I first started off selling, right, and was selling managed some some managed IT service and EMR when that was like big on a scene. And I went into this firm, and I had I had no clue. I just was like, "Fake it till you make it," but you know, you can't fake it if you don't know what to make, right? And <laughs> I went into this firm and thought I was doing everything right, thought I was being successful, and just next thing you know, they went cold on me. I built a relationship with the lady, and you know, because everyone said, Donald, you're such a great person, you have a great personality, you'd be great for sales. And so I, I took it for advantage, I took it to my advantage and started just building a relationship and connecting with this lady. But it didn't matter how much relationship I built, if I wasn't able to articulate value, which was to help her decision makers as well, the doctors in the firm. It was a pretty big firm to recognize the power of our software and why they should go with us. It doesn't matter. The relationship is still not going to sell it. And unfortunately, I had to learn it the hard way that I relationship was good, but not the only thing I needed to bring value as well because you know they're not just going to buy an expensive piece of crap. So anyways, I learned that and I have since then have been able to rechange my game where find value and build relationship with folks, and that helps to be able to be more influential, in my experience. And the one of the big issue I see now with sellers is, especially the ones that I work with with uh, small mid sized companies, is that they think that they can take service everybody. And the problem when you try to service everyone, you service no one because you're not focused. You don't bring value to the table, and you're just trying to sell features and benefits. And they have a really hard time and they, the retention rate of their sales reps is not great and sales doesn't increase. It just stays stagnant. Those are two to two. So my experience coupled with the one that I see a lot with sellers and entrepreneurs that I coach. That's a great point. And listeners, I hope you caught that. A lot of times we talk about people skills and that's important. But if you're making a lot of friends and not selling anything, <laughs> we got to back up and look at the value in your presentation, some of the other things you're doing. And that's Again, it's an important skill, but a lot of times we rely on that too much, and that could be a challenge. Oh, yeah. Good point. Good point. So you're the sales evangelist, and I like that term because sales is awesome. Sales fix everything. Sales is one of the biggest <laughs> challenges for most companies. But when you talk to a lot of salespeople, you get, well, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in sales. And they kind of look down like, no, this is awesome. You influence for a living. You sell for a living. You get to decide what your paycheck's going to be. What does it take for someone to just get up on the rooftop and say, I'm in sales. I'm excited. I'm going to do this because we both know that passion's a big part of their success. A couple of things that I feel falls into this category. I was in a pretty 
influential market the other day when I was doing a keynote speaking. This was a workshop. This wasn't a keynote speaking. This was a workshop that I was doing in Philly. And some of the individuals there were in the financial, you know, financial space and things like that and blah, blah, blah. And I see it that so often when people look at sales, they're, when you say I'm a sales professional, they're like, oh, well, you, that's kind of like the idea is like, oh, you didn't necessarily need to go to college or need to do anything. You could just anyone could sell. And that's such such a farce. That doesn't make sense. And that, that's not true. Not anyone can get up and sell. And unfortunately, some college don't necessarily have colleges don't have a formal sales training or educational process. So you find when people go into sales, it's just kind of like a backup plan. It's kind of like a fallback thing. Just go and sell this product. And unfortunately, that's not cool. And that's in industry. And, and I see that a lot of other there's several universities right now who are coming on the scene with formal sales training processes because they recognize that sales is so influential. Nothing gets sold in a business without sales. And even the folks who are financial analysts and so forth, they still have to sell or persuade or influence those that they work with for their logics and their reasons. So going back to this now, how can someone get to that point? They need to recognize the vitalness of sales in a business. Cash flow, I would say, is the lifeblood of any organization. If you don't have money flowing in those veins of your business, you won't succeed. And the individuals who are on the front lines who are capable of recruiting others to purchase or to influence them to bring money to the table are the, the sales rep. These are the, the persuaders, per se. They need to be able to bring value. And that craft is a talented one. And if you can do that, you will never, ever be broke in your life. And you'll be able to be of value to any organization. So I say get rid of the mindset to say, well, it's just a sales job. It's not just a sales job. You are the lifeblood of an organization when you really think about it. Without you, nothing works. The company CEO, the CFO, the executives will not make money if there's not someone on the other line helping others to come on board. Am I making sense with this? Perfect sense. I'm with you on this one. No sales, no business. I mean, <laughs> that's just how it is. And I'm with you. I teach at a local university, and I finally got them to create an advanced persuasive presentation course to learn presentation skills, to learn how to persuade and influence, because every seminar I've ever taught, everyone comes up afterwards and say, why didn't I learn this in school? Why did I learn this 20 years ago? These soft skills, this, this 85% of your success, I'm with you on that one, and it is something that they're finally adding. I mean, I know Harvard a few years back added a sales class to their MBA class finally, mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter what you do, we all sell for a living. You can call it whatever you want. But we have to sell our thoughts and our ideas. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think people are starting to catch on and see how important that is. We have to go out and evangelize like you're doing and tell people, hey, this is important. Oh, for sure, man. All right. Now, you do a lot with referrals, and everyone loves referrals. The thoughts of the referrals sounds great because sometimes their laydowns are a lot easier to influence. <laughs> so tell us, what are your secrets to increase referrals? Because everyone likes the word. I don't think a lot of people are doing it in the right way. What is the key to increasing referrals? You know, you're right. Everyone likes it. Everyone loves getting referrals. For me, it is, in my business, it is awesome because I, with the podcast, I utilize the podcast as a means to get myself out there. But people have come to me and they heard, heard me on a podcast or referred me to someone. Like someone said, looking for a sales coach or someone to help their sales team. They'll say, check out Donald. I listen to his podcast. So I gain a lot of my business through referrals. So I love it. But one of the things that I've come to realize when I was doing, I did a three-part video training, um, totally free, and it's on a website, but I'll send you guys a link so you guys can get that for your team as well, um, for your listeners. But one of the things that I realized was that people are not asking for referrals. If I was to sit down and ask someone, or you listening while you're driving right now, if I was to ask you, 
what are the best ways to grow your business? You'll probably say referrals, right? And then if you, if I ask you, are you doing it? You say no, because it's sometimes people just afraid to do it. So that's the number one issue. People don't ask. And in surveys, it's shown that nine out of 10 people will be more, your customers will be more than willing to give you a referral. But the problem is, I forget, I think it's only 11% of salespeople ask for them. So there's a lot more opportunities, but people don't ask. And the main reason why they don't ask, they're afraid or they just don't know what to say. You don't, don't want to sound like everybody else, like, hey, Kurt, uh, you happy? Yeah, you might give me a referral. You know, that's not what, <laughs> that doesn't work. But what I've done is to create a game out of it or just like anything else, create a process behind it. So I even ask people who have said no before. When I was doing, you know, cold calling as a software sales rep at one point, people would tell me no. I would ask them, anyone else you would think would benefit from this? And I've gotten referrals from those, and it's amazing. The, the key is to make it a habit. So put it on your calendar to get like five referrals per day or three referrals per day, whatever that, that is. And then the thing about it is then being able to ask appropriately. You know, what I like to do is to deliver value first. And whenever I deliver value, then as a return, people will then give me referral when I ask for it. So I'll set it up in a sense. And I teach this in a video. Look at their LinkedIn, see who they know that may be of benefit to what you have or your product or your service. And then you ask for a referral. You ask them in a, an appropriate way. Again, after you're, they're using your product and your service, they've seen value in it. They'll more than likely tell you, yes, of course, I'd be willing to do an introduction to this person. And then what I've done to eliminate the, the headaches, because when people ask me to do some, a simple task like that, introduce them to someone, it's so easy but as a busy person, I just put it off. I'm like, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And it never gets done. And then, then the sales professional might think, oh, they don't like me. They lied. It's not that I lied. I just got busy. So what I do, I send them a simple email and I say, hey, Kurt, we talked about it already. You're going to introduce me to Connor. Here is a simple email you can send. Feel free to tweak it according to your needs. But I make it very generic, simple. Hey, Connor, my buddy Donald is a sales professional and I thought that you'd be a good connection with him. They do blah, blah, blah. You know, I'd create a simple email. So you as Kirk can then review that email and send it off. But if I have it on my calendar to get these emails done per day and I have that system, say I want to do three per day, three referrals, it's amazing what happens. You start to increase your referrals. And again, the bottom line is people just don't ask. So they usually don't get it. And one of the things that I don't recommend you do a lot I did it with the cold calling, you know, because I was going to preface why I did it with cold calling. I was calling into city, county, government, municipalities, so they all know each other. So it was in Colorado. I, asked, I think it was a city of Denver, if they knew somebody, the, the procurement officer, or one of those cities, who any school districts were, they would recommend. And he knew several of them because they're right there in the county, so um, in the area, so he referred me a couple. But if you're talking to your customer, don't just ask your customer, you know, who else do you know that would benefit from this? What I typically like to do is to find out who they know already and then to ask them that particular person. So, Kurt, do you, you know, I know you know Connor. I saw that you guys went to the same school and that you guys connect often. Would you be willing to introduce me to them and tell them why? That's what I like to do. Don't just ask out the blue because people are going to, if you say, you know, who else you know, you're going to be like, let me think about that for a couple of days. And we just don't usually wake up in the morning and say, well, I'm going to give these referrals today to anyone who asks. You have to, it takes time to think. But if I can eliminate the thinking for my clients, it helps me in my referral gaining abilities. Am I making sense with this, Kurt? Perfect sense. And let's review it for the listeners because there's some important points here. The first one you're right on, you got to ask. You got to ask. And I like where you're making it as easy as possible. Give them an email, send it out. We notice that with testimonials too. If you just make it as easy as possible, that can go a long way. And, and get in the mindset too. I think it's important for everyone to understand that people don't mind referring you. When you've 
done a great job and you've exceeded expectations, they really don't have a challenge referring you. And that's something to have in your mindset. It's not a hard thing for them. They actually want to help the people they know have someone that's going to give them a good product, good service, whatever they're looking for. And sometimes you can even pre-ask. Just let them know, you know, I work on referrals. After we're done, I've exceeded your expectation. Would you mind giving me a referral? You can even ask before you get started. Might be something to really understand because we love referrals. So just ask again. I like also how you set a goal as far as three, four, five a day, whatever it is. That's going to be important. What else do we need to know about referrals? Another trick that I learned from, I was listening to Pat Flynn podcast. If anyone is familiar with Pat Flynn, phenomenal guy. And he had a guy on there. I can't remember the episode number now, but the concept, it was the guy spoke about pumpkins, how you grow like a enormous pumpkin as opposed to like a small little pumpkin. And what the process is in the farming stage is just something, it's a very, very simple tweak. Um, One thing that you do different, that grows a ginormous pumpkin as opposed to a regular sized pumpkin. He gave the parallel between that and referrals. If we ask one person for referral, generally we usually get one person for, you know, one referral back really. But imagine if I can get five referrals for one ask or 10 for one ask, that would be cool, right? And the concept that this gentleman shared was go to your best customers, your best clients, people that you have, and then ask them, John, who are your top five vendors? Or Mary, who are your top five vendors? What they will do then is the same thing. Send them an email to be introduced because those vendors are complementary companies to you. Why go out and try to find them when your customers already have them? If I sell them shoelaces, there's a company that probably sell them shoe boxes and it's a company that sells them the actual shoes or somebody that sells them those other things, the shoe coloring. I'm just making stuff up at this point, but you get the point. They have other complementary businesses that go after the same size companies as them who are your ideal customers. When I get that introduction now, that's an awesome referral because what I do, since I already have some customers like you, then I offer a referral first. You know, I draw first blood, so to speak. So once I got introduced to this vendor, I would say, hey, I noticed we work in the same space and Kurt introduced us. I have a couple of customers I think may benefit from the product and service that you have. Would you be willing to set up a time to chat? They set up a time to chat, give them a couple of referrals, introduce them to a couple of my customers. And then the next thing you know, they start introducing me to several of their customers. We start doing demonstrations together. You get the idea of joint venture, but people just, when they hear joint venture, they think about, oh, I've, you know, some kind of affiliate program or, you know, some kind of big process. But no, if you can get to the competitor, get to the vendors or even not, you know, get to the sales rep that work for the company. Or if you want to do a formal thing, get with their sales manager or in, in that company. If you give them a referral or you give them two referrals, three referrals, I promise you, you're going to get some referrals in return because you're both going after the same type of client. Instead of going for the one-to-one, now you're going for one-to-many. And that is something that's helped me a lot as well to gain more referrals in my business. You can make those 50 cold calls throughout the day or you can make these, say, five calls to vendors that you got these referrals from and you could probably leave with maybe 20 leads that day or 10 great leads. So again, look at how you can work more effectively. I like that. So, A, you could give them leads ahead of time. You could help give them a referral. That would be a great thing. Yep. And then, of course, get multiple leads from people. So another quick question here. So when you're asking for referrals or even sealing the deal, closing the sale, how do you stop? I know this is a big concern for a lot of salespeople. How do you not come across as you've heard it out there as pushy? Mm. The one way that I've come to see that, and there are many different ways you can try, but the one thing that I've seen to be very effective for me for not being pushy is I set the rules before we play the game. So go back to what you stated before that you're going to ask for the referral or something to that, you know, you let them know beforehand. 
that way I tend to come off as just a natural part of the process. And I'll give you an example. Like when I go for asking for the money, anyone, any calls that I make with a prospect, I have an appointment tomorrow with a first appointment with a prospect, right? She saw me in a workshop. She loved what I'm doing and she wants me to help her and her team. So one of the first things I'm going to do is set the rules before we play the game. I'm going to tell her, you know, I'm not always a fit for everybody. And if you've recognized at a certain point that this is not a fit for you, you're okay telling me so. They're more than likely going to say yes. And then I'll tell them if I recognize that what you're looking for is not something that I can deliver, but I can refer you, would you be okay with me doing that? They're like, okay, that's fine. And then as I, I do this with each of my meetings, so now we got the first meeting out of the way, we recognize, I establish value, and I ask them in this meeting, I'll send them an agenda for our next meeting. One thing we're going to discuss today is now the process or the, the solution that I'm recommending and you know value. And then two, I want to talk about the budget. I set it up in an email beforehand. So now when we get to the actual message, the meeting, it's not like this, oh, budget. And no one, no one goes out to buy something not recognizing they have to exchange money as well. So that helps to get this, your, your mindset right. So now they have the agenda. They know what we're going to discuss. When it comes to the point that said, okay, now, Mary, this is based on this. This is the investment that you would need to put up. It's going to be this much dollars. Then it's like, okay, I knew this was coming. It makes it very simple. And the same thing with as a natural byproduct, if I'm able to establish value in my first or second meeting with them, establish enough value and we know it's going to be X amount of dollars. It's just a natural byproduct at the very end. I just move. Some people call it assume the sale and it's a closing trick, but it's not a closing trick. It's just just a process. If I establish the value, you know that I can offer that. If we want to get started on your start date of January 1, this is what we'll need to do. We'll need to have this in place by November 1st and I would need to get this signed and taken care of. Just make it natural. Make it as a natural part of the process. So the problem that we find with sellers often, Kurt, is that I see that they try to do all of their closing of the deal at the end, when in actuality, the value or the close needs to be at the beginning. If you can establish the value, people don't care at the end. It's just going to be like, you're the man. I'm just following you because you offer this value to me. So don't try to trick them at the end. Don't try to do all kinds of scheme or sign on a dotted line here, you know, any type of trick. Just make it as natural as possible, but establish tons of value up front at the very beginning. It'll make it easy. And if I'm able to set the agenda before each meeting, it just makes it flow for me. And that's what works for me. Yeah, I agree. You got to make sure that they're closed before the close. <laughs> Do it up front. Make sure you establish the value and the credibility. That's a great point and great information. So appreciate you being here. Help the listeners out. How can they find you? What's the best thing they can do to contact you and uh, see what you're up to? Well, the easiest way they can do that, I'm going to give you guys access to that three-part video training. So it goes a little bit deeper on how you can get some referrals. So the, the best place to go is the salesevangelist.com forward slash and just put Kurt, K-U-R-T, the salesevangelist.com forward slash Kurt. And they'll be able to get access to that three-part video training series and uh, and let me know how you enjoy it and apply the stuff. Apply it and tell me about the success you're seeing with some of your referrals and tell Kurt as well. So if you do this, it will double the amount of referrals you're getting right now. Double referrals, double your sales, double your income. That's all good stuff. Donald, great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Take care. Have a great day. Thank you. That was a great chat with Donald, Kurt. What did you think? I love Donald. Good energy, good information, things you can take away. It's always good to get another voice on there and talk about things that we've talked about, but new things, especially on the aspect of referrals. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. It, it's a habit that you have to be in with every single client. And I, I've noticed that successful salespeople over the years, there's this trend where they have to do less and less and less prospecting because 
they develop such a steady stream and a solid base of referrals. And that's the key. And people get are more than willing to do this for you when it's done the right way. And so you should think, is 50, 60, 70%? What percent of your business would you want based on referrals? Life's easier. You're making more money. It's an easier sell. I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. So Donald gave everybody some information on how to find him. If you want more information, too, you can go to his website at thesalesevangelist.com. That's thesalesevangelist.com. In the meantime, Kurt, we need you to queue up the ninja. Ah, ninja go! There it is. Okay, so this is you. I think you had a recent experience with a software company that is ninja-worthy. <laughs> well, this was on a webinar, and you tell me if this is a blunder or a ninja, but I thought it was pretty good. It worked pretty well. I've been teaching public speaking, persuasive presentations for years. And one of the fun things I always do, whether it be corporate or university level, is bring in a heckler, right? Bring in a heckler. How do you handle that heckler, that mean, vindictive person or the clueless person or the person asked lame questions or the person asked no questions, the person that talks on the cell phone, the person that's just mean? I mean, how do you handle that person? I'm aware because, that you do this. Yeah, because you've been a heckler. You're one of my best hecklers, and it's a lot of fun. Yes. And I had a heckler on a webinar and I think I handled it textbook, but you can tell me because we all know as a presenter, the natural part of us wants to just throw zingers at these people because what they're doing is rude and unfair, right? right. And we want to just, man, look, look, lady, look, sir, right? We want to go after them. And that's the worst thing you can do. And so I'm on this webinar, oh, 100 people or so on there, and they can mute and unmute themselves. And I was going down my path, and this was a corporate training, and it was for continuing education credits. And this lady gets on and says, look, hold on, Kurt, hold on. I speak for the group. What you are saying is not going to help us. You're going down the wrong path. We need to shift gears right now. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. So the natural part of me wants to go, oh, look, lady, right? that's what we want to do. And I knew if I did that, I'd lose all credibility with the group. You can't just throw zingers at people. I mean, it was a mean thing to do. You just have to be careful. I mean, if the group's on your side, you can throw a zinger, but that doesn't always happen. So the textbook is, is when you're talking to a group, whether it's face-to-face -face on a webinar, throw it back to the group. Let the group help you out. And that's exactly what I did. And I said, wow, all right, appreciate your feedback. And, you know, I said that. And not that I did, but it's always good to keep things open. And I said, well, let's open it up to the group to make sure I cover the right materials and we're on the right path. And I opened up the group and people came on and it was a wonderful thing as they told her to shut up. They called her the B word. They told her to get off. They told her that I was on the right track and that she had no business being there. <laughs> <laughs> and she hung up and we never heard from her again. <laughs> so it's stuff that I wanted to say, right? Yeah. But I, I couldn't. I shouldn't. I didn't. And the group did it for me. She hung up. We finished up and it worked out really well. So I don't know. You tell me, is that ninja worthy? <laughs> That's ninja worthy, right? You oh, got to have the audience right. do your dirty work for you. That's how it works. That's heckling 101 right there. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I think you've made yourself the blunder plenty of times on the podcast. <laughs> so you were due. I was due. I might be my first ninja after 154 episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very humble. I'm always bragging about myself being the ninja. But uh, that, that was good to see some great ninjutsu from Kurt. Persuasion ninjutsu. All right. I'll take my first ninja. Yes. Nice work. Well, everybody, thanks again for listening to the show. That's going to wrap it up for today. We will catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Take care. Persuade with power.